Chester Tunnel, a throughway for the B&O Railroad for over a century. But for the past 80 years, it has become something far more sinister. And the very first one that I pick up says, final solution. A young lady uh, identifies herself as Sophia Crane, and then it got a little upsetting after that. no cuts there's no retakes there's no calling for action there's absolutely no evidence to suggest that somebody is directing them we have the possibility that this whole thing is real and we have the possibility this whole thing is a largely plausible hoax if you're working with all these elements you can journalistically speaking you can construct your own story out of whatever footage you choose to to, to put in i do not believe that this video is authentic i think there's some acting involved there's some effects involved and i think that it's kind of disturbing that he feels that the only way to market this footage is to pretend it's real this has been done a thousand times before and we think it's a scam i'm not the only one it's everyone we're gonna take this footage to every professional in town that we can find ghost hunters mythbusters we're going to go to the radio stations, we're going to the TV stations, we're going to show the footage and we're going to saturate the market with this information. Then we're going to prove to the world that people time exists. Hey guys, and welcome to Horror Nights in Podcast with me, your host Crystal. So because this is a surprise drop special episode, um, my intro is going to be a little bit different because I needed to literally jump onto my podcast and talk about this movie that I just watched. Um, so yes, if you're not familiar with my show, my name is Crystal, uh, I talk about horror movies, I love anything that has to do with horror, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at HorrorDaddiesRS, we have a lot of fun over there, I interact with you guys, um, because this is a surprise episode, I kind of wanted to make it a little bit different than what my usual format is, um, so usually I go into a very long discussion about a movie and I kind of dissect the plot and everything, um, but I was actually approached by the director and writer of this found footage film, and I literally just finished it 10 minutes ago, and I said, I need to make this podcast so I can drop it immediately, because this movie was so fucking good, and I wish, I, I'm gonna go back and rewatch it for sure, for anything that I had missed, um, but this found footage film is probably gonna go um at one of at least top 10 of my favorite maybe even top five my favorite found footage films because I enjoyed it that much guys I was so impressed I was so honored to have um the writer and the director of this film uh contact me and ask me to do a review um so the movie is called butterfly kisses and it was written and directed uh by eric christopher meyer so shout out to him thank you sir i am very honored that you uh contacted me and asked me uh to talk about your movie so as i said guys usually Uh, This isn't my normal format usually, but I am still going to give you the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb rating. Um, Then we're going to jump in to my four to five pages of notes that I have here in front of me uh, about this movie. Um, Because this is a special, it's not, it probably won't be as long as my other episodes, but uh, I do have a very busy week right now. I'm filming four podcasts this week. I'm obviously very excited about that, but uh, it is taking um up a lot of time but you know it's passion so I'm gonna keep doing it and I and I'm not complaining guys I'm just letting you know (laughs) very busy week this week um 
So I'm going to jump right into uh, my honest and horrific uh, opinion on Butterfly Kisses. It was released October 23rd, 2018. It has a running time of 89 minutes. And as I said, it was directed and written by Eric Christopher Myers. So Rotten Tomatoes uh, gave this movie an 83% of the audience liking it. Um, And IMDb gave this a 5.6 out of 10. So just a quick uh, synopsis of the film. Um, it's a filmmaker. It's about a filmmaker who discovers a uh, box of videotapes depicting two students uh, disturbing film project uh, featuring a local horror legend, the Peeping Tom. Uh, as he sets out to prove the story is real and release uh, it as a work of his own, he loses himself and the film crew following him into his project. So... I didn't really know too much about the movie. I watched the trailer when Eric um, uh, direct messaged me on Twitter and I quickly looked up the the trailer and I was super impressed with it and uh, I was like, yeah, like I totally want to do like let's do this and obviously I found some time today to uh, sit down and watch it and I was going to film or film pff, I was going to record later this week but I was like I I don't want to wait I want to talk about this movie like right now because it was so good and there's so many different elements to this movie that I really want to talk about because it's kind of almost like three stories in one so we have the the teenagers who are making a documentary on the peeping tom we have Gavin York, who is the filmmaker who discovered the tapes. And then we have Eric and his team and his camera crew recording Gavin um, kind of going around and seeing if the tapes were real or not. And seeing his struggles and seeing his um, sort of ups and downs through this whole project. Most of them being down. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So the film starts out with let me just grab my notes um so we basically uh it's it's a mockumentary style horror movie so it's a found footage mockumentary kind of reminds me of the poughkeepsie tapes a little bit which is actually going to be the special for this weekend or i'm sorry not the special the the regular regular um scheduled programming for horror nights and podcasts will be the poughkeepsie tapes this weekend but by the time that you're listening to this podcast you already know that because i probably would have tweeted it so our opening scene we meet uh sophia uh crane who is clearly distressed and is explaining um that whoever finds these tapes to edit it that this scene is in uh, the beginning and the end of the film and uh, to show the film to her parents. Um, She also says the date as March 3rd, 2004. Um, She says this is her senior thesis and her and her friend um, were we're making a documentary about Peeping Tom. Um, Then we meet uh, Gavin York. He is a kind of, I want to say, a failed filmmaker in this movie. Um, we find out that he's the one who found the tapes in his, uh, in his parents-in-law, his mother and father-in-law's home that they had purchased. Apparently the tapes were under, uh, the boiler or something. It was in like the, the back part of their, uh, of their, of their home. And him being a filmmaker, or failed filmmaker, now he is a struggling wedding photographer. Uh, He's also married, and they have a son as well, so definitely keep that in mind throughout the movie, uh, that he is married, he does have children. Uh, I believe it's one. I think it's, I think they have, uh, they have a a boy, younger boy. Um, So we're starting to see that um, he has found these, he found these tapes and he starts watching them there's about 40 of them he finds them in a shoebox and he basically puts together the film or the tapes to create this sequential film about these two teenagers Sophia and her cameraman Feldman um so Sophia is basically the director of this of this uh the film about peeping Tom um and we find out that it is it is about a tunnel in Maryland called the Ill uh, Chesterton Mill. So basically, it's this tunnel, very long, very creepy looking tunnel. 
that if you stare down the tunnel for an hour uh, without blinking, you will see Peeping Tom. Um, So we also have some footage of Sophia and Feldman going around town and asking uh, the residents about this urban legend, um, this kind of tale about Peeping Tom, also known as the Blink Man. Um, so as I said, you summon him by looking down the tunnel for one hour and, um, there's a lot of legend around the town. Every time, uh, you blink, it gets closer. And so apparently, uh, Peeping Tom has long eyelashes that tickle your face in order to get you to blink, aka butterfly kisses. So if you're not familiar with the term butterfly kisses, basically it's not only a stupid ass song from some country star uh about a father and daughter relationship and listen guys I have a very great relationship with my father but I don't like this song at all I think this song is stupid but anyway (laughs) um basically what a butterfly kiss is and one of the one of the townspeople younger he actually demonstrated it by walking up to the camera and fluttering his eyelashes um on the camera lens so basically a butterfly kiss is when you walk up to somebody and you give them a kiss with your eyelashes like on their cheek I have no idea where it originated from I could probably have looked it up to get more into that but it's not really the point of the film basically uh or the (laughs) I mean it is it's the name of the movie but for the most part as long as you understand what it is and you kind of understand how you know Peeping Tom is close to you is because you feel his eyelashes on you and they start to tickle your eyes, which make you blink, which ultimately leads to your death. Um, So we also have another legend um, that apparently this girl stood at the end of the tunnel many, 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 many years ago and was able to see Peeping Tom. And in order for her not to be killed, she stared at the sun and burned her retinas. Uh, but she was still continuing to blink with her eyelids, so she was still killed. Even though she couldn't see him, she was still doing the movement with her eyes, which is interesting um, and something to keep in mind for later. Um, so we're basically following Gavin York around, and for the first eh, couple scenes of the movie, he seems like a pretty normal guy who just seems to be interested in you know the the getting these tapes together just to kind of see what it's like and see if it's real um we learn that there's no evidence of the people in the tapes being real apparently gavin went to uh the universities and the schools and even some of the news um the news stations and asked if anybody knew of this sophia crane or this feldman um or even dr wolf who is apparently there that was their their professor during this whole thing um and nobody knew who they were and everyone kind of said like oh i don't know who that is i've never heard of those people um so We see, it's kind of like a back and forth. So we go from the tapes, uh, so we go from the teenagers to Gavin. So it's kind of like this sequence. It's it's all in order, but we're we're getting and gaining more evidence as we're continuing to watch it. So it's kind of like going back and forth. So we have both stories going on at the same time. Um, We then meet uh, Sophia and Feldman's friend who says that he can keep his eyes open. He's like the master at a staring contest. So they bring him to the end of the tunnel. And I believe from according to the timestamp, he only does it for like 13 minutes. Um, And another thing to remember too, you have to keep your eyes open from midnight to 1 a.m. for it to work. Um, So then they come up with this idea. So obviously their friend failed because you can't really keep your eyes open for that long because they also have an interview with an optometrist, which is, uh, you know, an eye doctor and also another person that Gavin could never find evidence of being real. Um, We see that uh, the the eye doctor basically says, um, or an ophthalmologist. I can't, I don't know. Guys, don't come for me. (laughs) I literally just watched this movie. I have not, I'm only going off my scribble notes here. So anyway, um, the eye doctor basically says like, you cannot keep your eyes open for that long without it being extremely painful. Um, which makes sense because you have to blink your eyes. I think, I think when the the eye doctor in the movie was actually talking or the actor who played the eye doctor in the movie was actually talking about blinking your eyes and not being able to blink them. I think I blinked my eyes like 47 million times in the span of like three seconds. Cause I was like, ah, my eyes, like, (laughs) 
Like the placebo effect of not being able to blink them is is causing me to blink them faster. Um, so basically we find out um, that the Feldman and Sophia are trying to manipulate um, Peeping Tom to appear. So they use the camera to manipulate um, the human eye. So which makes sense because a camera has a lens and it's called the shutter. So the shutter can technically blink. Um, So it's kind of like every time the camera turns off, it blinks. And every time the camera turns on, it blinks again. So it opens. So when you take a photo, your shutter opens. And when you take and then, you know, when you release the shutter, it closes or it could be vice versa, something like that. I cannot remember um, I did take a photography class in college, but it is, it's this, it's either, you know, it opens or it closes. I'm pretty sure when you click it down, the shutter opens, then when you release it, it closes. Because basically what a shutter does um, is lets in light. So they're using the, um, the camera to manipulate um, an eye, a human eye. Um, and then they can see um, Peeping Tom. So then they take their evidence and they go home and they they put their so basically what happens at 1 a.m. I'm sorry, let me retract. What happens at 1 a.m. is they can't see anything. The human eye cannot see anything in the camera lens. Um, so they get very frustrated. And then the next scene, they actually take it back to Feldman's house, I believe, or it might have been Sophia's house, and they put it in her computer. And we actually do see that there is a very, very faint outline of something um, at the end of the tunnel. So then they both kind of start freaking out and they're really excited, which is which is cool because they, they feel like they definitely are on the brink of, of something really cool. Um, so now we're back with Gavin and we find out that Gavin um, is a... He does have a filmmaking degree, as I said earlier, and he also um, films weddings and... They're at, at various points of the movie, they are interviewing his wife, and his wife is saying, like, they get they they make their money from him doing you know, wedding filming weddings and how they make their most money during wedding season. And then we hear the camera crew in the back, which I believe is Eric, say, Well, isn't this wedding season right now? And his wife kind of like makes a face, like, Yep, so basically, we know that. Um, Gavin York is choosing to try and make this make this found footage film work and is not actually making the money come in. Um, so another thing that Gavin is trying to do is he's trying to make his his movie, his found footage movie credible. So he, tries to talk to different directors of films and he tries to talk to a, a room full of like paranormal investigators um, who apparently have like 8,000 likes on their Facebook. Um, and then we also find out that this whole project is self-funded and it's like an indie project. Um, so there's also a couple of different experts that uh, Gavin is speaking with as well to kind of watch the footage and see if it's manipulated in any way to see if it's fake. Because all we know right now and all that Gavin knows is that these tapes were found and he doesn't know if the tapes are real or not. Um, so in the next scene, we are back with uh, our teens. We're back with Feldman and Sophia who are talking to their professor, Dr. Wolf, to try and convince her that what they captured on their camera the previous night is real uh so then we cut directly after that scene so basically the professor is like I don't really she's like oh that's good like you put a lot of work into the to the you know special effects of this footage and like no 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 like it's real like we wouldn't have time to do all this uh then we find out in the next scene they are starting to see more of peeping tom in the different clips as they're putting them together. So as I said earlier, it seems that every time the camera lens blinks, it gets closer. Because while while they're in their uh, professor's office, the camera battery dies, aka the shutter closes. Um, and aka it's like the human eye blinking. And they start to see that 
this peeping Tom is kind of showing up in various clips all over their, um, all over their, what they're doing. Uh, so then we cut back to Gavin, who is kind of getting frustrated with the sources that he's using to basically prove that his, that the tapes are real. Um, he's trying to manipulate the investigative, uh, the paranormal investigators saying that he's like, oh, I'm only going to show them a small clip. And then when they see this, uh, they'll want more. And they're kind of just like, "Mm, we don't really know if this is real or not. We're going to need more evidence. Like you can't just show us, you can't just show us, you know, this, this small piece of evidence that's in black and white that can be easily manipulated and think that we're going to, you know, get behind this and help you investigate this. We then find out that he has a meeting with the publisher of Weird. Now, if you guys are not familiar with these books, I am because if you listen to my other podcasts, you know that I am from the Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area. And Pennsylvania and Maryland are really super duper haunted. And so obviously, you know, it's no wonder that I like, um, (laughs) that I like horror movies. But... Uh, if you are not familiar, so basically in New Jersey as well too, so there's these books that are called Weird and it's like Weird Pennsylvania or Weird New Jersey and I remember seeing them when I was a kid and I would see them at like Barnes & Noble and um, I would always look at them and it would always be these, so basically it's just a book, it's crazy urban legends about where you live and where, um, you know, basically just telling you about all the crazy urban legends that are in your area. So it seems that uh, Gavin has been able to locate the author of this weird Maryland book and he was also on the documentary for the for the kids. So for he was on Feldman and Sophia's um, documentary aka he was on the tapes. Gavin trying to find every piece of evidentiary support that he can to basically prove to everybody that that the tapes are real. So he is able to set up an appointment with the author of the book um, and he goes in and he's kind of he's like super overwhelmed he's like super happy though that he's like oh he sat in the same spot where it was initially filmed and he said, oh, this is where, you know, this is where you it were interviewed um, by Sophia and Feldman. And he's super impressed by all of it. And he, it, it gets to the point, it's kind of, it kind of cuts to another scene of them sitting in, in um, the author's kitchen. And he's, Gavin is really grilling this guy. He said, like, how did they, how did the, how did Sophia and Feldman contact you? Was it through the phone? Was it through email? And the author is kind of just like, I'm not really sure. He's like, I can't really remember, you know, the documentary was from 10 years ago and I don't even really remember that. I used to screen my phone calls and I don't even think my email goes back that far. So he's kind of coming up with a lot of different excuses. But then Gavin gets this idea in his head that it's okay to kind of push the author for more information even goes gets to the point where he's insinuating that the author has anything to do with the disappearance of the kids and at this point I made it I remember making a note um saying that Gavin is kind of a dick and uh he's kind of a dick to his wife as well and um at one point in the film he is uh, it seems like his wife is kind of in charge of all the finances and she's on he gets home and she's on his his MacBook computer and he, he makes a comment like why are you on my computer and she says well why is it your computer and then she says we need you know we, we need to go talk and they go into the kitchen and we find out that they keep receiving these letters which I assume are like late notices for things um that they haven't paid for yet because Gavin is pouring all of his time and his money and their money into this, this movie, um, and trying to do all of these things. And we see that he is starting to obviously get very frustrated with this because he is losing out on money because remember guys, it's wedding for arts, wedding season. Um, it's like summertime and that's where all of his money comes from. Um, 
So now we're back with the, and also guys, remember, he is working with a small camera production company who are following him around documenting these things and kind of helping him edit and things like that. So one of the sound guys actually noticed a weird noise that is almost like Morse code that is always in the beginning of uh, Sophia and uh, Feldman's tapes. Um, then we find out that they take those Morse code noises and they put it into a, you know, program that basically uh, deciphers it for you. And the code says blank. Um which I thought was very clever because you can definitely tell that uh, Eric, the the director and writer of this film, really took his time in putting in all these little details. And I'll explain more of them later. Um, so then we get another cut shot to Feldman, who is um, doing a blink test, which was really cool because basically what he's doing is he's turning the camera on and off so basically it's like the camera is blinking when he gets to take 40 of the blink tests we see that the uh peeping tom or you know the blink man is pretty close to the camera and um we can also tell that Feldman is kind of losing it a little bit and Sophia is also like trying to she's getting scared she's trying to back off at one point she's using the handy cam and um he's like why are you using that and she's like we we really shouldn't be messing with this kind of thing um so then we get a really cool mirror scene with Feldman so it looks like he is sleeping or napping or something on the couch and he also has this journal that he uses and he jots down all of his ideas and things and we also see that inside of this notebook is drawings of um pretty much the outline of Peeping Tom. Um, so the, we get a really cool mirror scene, as I was saying, of Gavin laying on the couch and there's a mirror above his head and we see the uh, Peeping Tom is kind of in the mirror watching him. Um, I thought that was a really cool scene. Um, and then we get into the part of the film that it all kind of started changing a little bit and kind of mm, there were some parts of the movie that were a little slow um there were definitely some parts with the with the teens with Sophia and Feldman that were a little too slow for me I wish they'd moved a little bit faster um and the same thing with Gavin and the film crew there were some scenes that that I feel lasted longer than they should have but this is kind of where it starts to pick up a little bit and um it seems like it's starting to be from the camera crew's point of view now. It's kind of basically their human project, so to speak, on Gavin. When Gavin is just trying to make this documentary about uh, the tapes that he found, now the camera crew is actually literally turning the cameras on themselves and on Gavin and basically doing like a human experiment, like a human emotion experiment, so to speak. Um then we start to find out that uh, Feldman and Sophia had another project that they had worked on before this one called Portraits of Dead Friends. Um, and basically what they did was they made obituaries come to life kind of thing. And we find out that they won an award for this documentary they had put together. Well, technically only Sophia had won the award. Feldman really wasn't giving any credit for this because Sophia had gotten an award from Dr. Wolf, who is their professor. Um, so we find out that they actually kind of made up the one scene about they didn't make it up so basically what happened was they had they apparently they had a story about this this girl and her sister had died and they wanted to air they wanted to use it for the documentary but the girl wouldn't sign the release for it or something like that she said she didn't want to do it anymore and they ended up getting an actress to come in and film that scene so it was the story was real but the person telling it was an actor so it's kind of where this whole peeping tom blink man thing starts to unfold a little bit because uh and it kind of takes credibility away from gavin's idea that the whole that everything is real because we find out that feldman and sophia actually lied and faked the first documentary that they had um 
We also have a scene where Feldman is, and it looks like it's either right before or right after. It's after 1 a.m. and they believe that their that their camera manipulation of the human eye has failed. And we we see him say, and we hear him say, uh, well, you know, we could just do, um, we could just, uh, you know, manipulate it to show some something is at the end of the tunnel, even though it's not. And this is kind of where Gavin's story loses credibility because Gavin is aware that these were on the tapes. And um, one person that the camera crew is actually interviewing, which I believe is a director for a movie, um, you know, he's like, well, why are you adding this into the documentary if Gavin is trying to make this real? And the camera crew basically says, well, he signed the release so we can use the footage for anything that we want. Um, So now... We have some. We have another person. I believe he was another expert that they're interviewing, and I believe he is the one that says um, that, that Gavin had initially contacted to see if the tapes were real. And he says he says there's three options: either the tapes are real, they're fake, or you know, either Sophia or Feldman um, did it to kind of fake it. So they believe. I believe that it's Feldman because um, you know he really, really wanted to win this to win this and get some recognition. But we don't really know if it's real or if it's fake or what actually happened here. Um, we also see that Feldman is just slowly starting to lose his mind. And um, we have the scene of Sophia coming into his room and the camera is on the pointed towards the mirror so he can see everything that's going on. And he's basically, he's got scratches all over his face. And we hear him say like, the eyelashes um, don't tickle you, they itch. So obviously the peeping Tom is pretty close to his face right now. So it seems he's only got like one or two clicks of that camera before um, he's dead. (laughs) Um, So then we have uh, Gavin, we're back with Gavin, and he's pretty much at his wit's end when it comes to promoting this because he just doesn't have anywhere else to turn like the paranormal investigators he basically just called them all fakes and um he had gone back to them a second time to show him them more of the the blink test which I explained earlier when they were doing take 40 and they were like you know this is not credible um there's no sound with this that could just be homemade you could make this on a computer how do we know you didn't do this and he's basically just he, he disrespects the shit out of them. And it's just at this point, I just I, like I said, 30 minutes into the film, I was OK with Gavin. But then the whole rest of the hour of the film, I didn't care for Gavin at all. I thought he was definitely a dick. I can understand why some people would sympathize with him. But overall, I thought he was kind of a shitty human being and, you know, a failed filmmaker who was trying to jump on the 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 you know piggyback these these dead kids which is what the paranormal investigators were kind of saying and I was just like yeah like I agree with you like I agree with that too like why are you trying to gain you know some recognition or make it in Hollywood over the the death of these kids or these missing kids um if it was real and so he's kind of just like laughed at he's laughed out of there and he's he's just you know super pissed so finally he makes this website which I think is a really good idea um and he's basically doing a countdown that from midnight to 1 a.m. he's going to air the footage. And then after 1 a.m. Um, he's going to um, cut the footage. And then, you know, the camera crew, a.k.a. Eric, is is basically saying, well, how do you know this is going to work and all these things. And Gavin's trying to, to, to explain that they need an ending to this documentary. They need an ending to this film because there wasn't one. And he's trying to see, you know, what he can do. And he's like, I don't have anything else that I know that I can do anymore. Like, what what else can I do? Um, so basically what they do is, um, you know, Eric kind of says, well, you know, we're here just to document you, man. Like, we're not really – you. that's what we're here for. And, and Gavin is like, well, no, we need to do this together. Like, don't you want an ending to this documentary? And basically I don't want to say that Eric set him up. But he definitely had a hand in trying to, I don't want to, like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say his, to Gavin's demise, but kind of wanting to, to, to put some sense into this guy. Uh, so basically, uh, Gavin is like, just make that he's like, I just need one phone number with one person. Just like basically asking for a contact so that they can get this documentary done and, and basically give it press marketing. 
Um, so Eric hooks him up with a local radio station and I thought the radio show was hilarious because it was just Gavin just knowing that he can't, he, he's, that he's failed, that he's basically, like I, as I said, piggybacking on this, this supposed found footage is real and that supposedly these kids are missing and how he is, um, trying to, um, make money and make it in Hollywood by exploiting the death of two kids. So I think this next scene is one of my favorite scenes because we actually have Ed Sanchez, who if you don't know who he is, then I don't know why you call yourself a found footage horror fan. (laughs) But he is the director of the Blair Witch Project and he actually calls into the radio show. And um, there actually is a segment in this movie that they do um, a quick little short interview with him as well, basically. Um, And Ed Sanchez, he makes a really good point and he says that when they released the film The Blair Witch Project... Um, they never said that it was real and they never tried to prove that it was real. They kind of just let the audience and, you know, the public try and figure it out for themselves. And this whole time that Gavin has been pushing that this is real. So I thought that was very interesting and a very good, you know, remark and opinion and comment that you know, Ed Sanchez made. And it makes sense because they never said whether the Blair Witch was real or if it was fake. They kind of just let people do what they wanted with it. And, you know, of course, they had the really good marketing strategy of nobody really knew where any of the actors were. Um, But this was long before social media and all those things. But it would also be, it would also, you could also easily make profiles of, um, you could easily make profiles of the three main actors that were in the Blair Witch and have their social medias like stop after, um, you know, they went hiking in the woods. Uh, and also I just want, I also have a little note um, here that I kept calling Sophia Heather because I thought she looked like Heather from <laughs> from the Blair Witch Project. So I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. That they brought in literally like the master of found footage, um, and yes, there was another director for Blair Witch, but of course they just, they have Ed, Ed Sanchez on here. Um, I just thought that was interesting because I was like, oh, well, I believe that the actress who's playing Sophia kind of looks like Heather and reminds me of her a little bit, especially like with her eyes and everything. Um, so then Ed Sanchez makes another comment. Um, he says, you know, like he, he says there's a lot of, a lot of things that you that happen in found footage that you know if whether it's real or fake that the that the camera just happens to always be on at a certain time which makes sense which completely debunks Gavin's idea that these tapes are real and he said you know Ed Sanchez said you know at this point it just so happens that these um you know that that the tapes were found in a shoebox and the shoebox just so happens to be on the floor next to you know uh Sophia's foot Um, so then the next scene is kind of like the, basically the nail in the coffin that Gavin is a really shitty person. Um, and you know, I'm sure a lot of people argue with me and say, you know, he was just, he was just a filmmaker going after his dream. Like, you don't know what it's like for people to want to get their work out there and the the lengths they'll go. And I, and I understand that. And I know that there's the argument of that kind of thing. But then we find out that he basically, uh, his mother-in-law was putting money away for, um, her grandson, AKA Gavin's son away for school. And Gavin stole that money from his son. So, this is to the point in the movie where I'm like, all right, Gavin needs to go. Like, like Peeping Tom, the Blink Man, just needs to come find him and kill him because I am over um, this guy. I, I was like, he's a piece of shit. He's very selfish. He's letting this whole, um, you know, found footage tapes take over his whole life. He can't even understand, um, you know, he can't, he can't even... <laughs> he can't even see what's right and wrong at this point. And yes, there are answers at the end. And it, it and when I did finish the film, I was like, oh, all right, well, maybe. But that still doesn't justify stealing from your son. Anyway, um, so then we find out that Feldman is dead. And apparently Sophia had 
uh, recorded the newscaster and the news segment um, of this news reporter outside of Feldman's house saying that he died. And apparently there was no um, there was no evidence of this ever being on TV. Um, then we so now it's basically just the perspective of the camera crew because Gavin has gone missing ever since uh, we found out that he stole from his son. He went missing. So we then are with Eric and his film crew and he gets a text message to meet Gavin at the bridge and then they go to this bridge and they find him staring down the tunnel with his camera. Um, so then they're kind of freaking out a little bit and we see the next scene is them by their truck and they're saying, you know, what are we supposed to do now? What are we supposed to do with this guy? Like he's apparently he's been missing for like almost two weeks and this is the first time they've had contact with him and um you know they're they're basically they're rolling around their morals so it's kind of like well you know we were only supposed to do this job with him and you know we're not his family this is not our responsibility like and then they're they're kind of just saying well you know we have to we have to help him we have to do all these things um so then we start to hear someone is like running across the train tracks uh, then the scene cuts and, um, it goes back to our, it goes back to Sophia. Um, and she's basically explained to the camera that she finds, uh, this tape, uh, and it's the last scene. So basically Feldman dying. Uh, so what Feldman is trying to do is he positioned the camera to film in the mirror so that when he clicks it, he's able to see in front of him and behind him. And then he is able to, um, quote unquote, kill the peeping Tom. So then we see uh, he clicked the camera and nothing happens. And he's kind of like hysterically laughing because he feels like he beat it. And then two seconds later, we get a jump scare with, um, with Feldman dying. And we get like a quick flash of um, the peeping Tom, which definitely made me jump. I was like, oh, okay, whoa. <laughs> um, so now we're back with the uh, camera crew with Eric and he is on Skype with the first guy that uh, Gavin had initially spoke with to try and see if the tapes are real. And apparently the uh, guy found an anomaly in uh, the last scene of Feldman dying. And we see that if you zoom if you zoom super far into Peeping Tom's eye, it's actually Peeping Tom's point of view of Feldman with the camera at the end of the the other end of the tunnel. So the whole time we have Feldman and, you know, everybody looking towards the end of the tunnel. And now we see that, um, that the ending scene is actually peeping Tom looking back at whoever is looking at him, AKA Feldman with the camera. Um, so then the next scene, we see the camera crew receives a package from Gavin, um and this is when they make the comment that he's been missing for nine days um so then he opens the package and we see that um inside of it is actually the package that Feldman sent Sophia um it's also uh Feldman's notebook it's also Gavin's journal and inside Gavin's journal is a motel key card um so they find they go to the the motel and they use the key card. They open it and it's just uh, messy. There's GoPros set up on um, each corner of what looks like a TV stand. And they're kind of just like, why are we here? Like, what are we doing here? And apparently the tapes from the GoPro cameras are not in there. Um, and they're kind of looking around. It's, it's just a regular hotel room. So it's not anything special. And then we have the sound guy, I believe, walk into the bathroom and freak out. And then the other guy walks in, freaks out, slams the door. And then we see Eric walk into the, the, the bathroom. And he then freaks out and slams the door. The next scene we get is with the cops. And... Um, they're asking him, obviously, a bunch of questions like, why are you here? Blah, 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 whatever. Police questions. Um, and then we see the little snips of Gavin's body in 
the bathtub and it looks to be like his face has scratches on it which makes sense because remember what Feldman had said that that peeping Tom's eyelashes do not tickle you they're actually itchy so it causes you to itch your face um and there's a little thing that comes up on the screen that he died of heart failure um but he is only 39 years old apparently like according to the coroner's report he died of heart failure um so then they're after they find his body um is when they start to question where the uh tapes were that were in the gopro and uh one of the camera guys says well i guess we'll find out in 10 years and which makes sense because um the time that it is now it's 10 years after uh sophia had put out her um the first tape or had finished recording the first set of tapes so it's kind of just like well I guess we'll know what's in the what what, actually in those GoPro cameras in 10 years because that's where the story is going to continue to end um then we get this really cool um shot with the with Eric aka the director at the end of the tunnel or the beginning of the tunnel depending on how you look at it (laughs) um basically saying like this is just the beginning this isn't the end so basically like there is no ending to the story because every 10 years uh you're gonna have somebody find these tapes and you're gonna have somebody try and figure out if these tapes are real or if they're fake and you're gonna have more technology and you're gonna have all these different things and also another cool thing that that the camera crew had found out is that when they put the Morris code image or the Morris code to um he basically the sound guy is explaining that if you took the Morris code um and you manipulate it into a photo it's actually looks like um peeping tom so i also liked that which is what i mentioned earlier about the details that the director put into this film um about how everything kind of correlates together and how everything that they had found on the films correlates back to this legend of peeping tom um so then uh we get one of the one of the sound guys with the camera guys asks eric he's like do you think that the blink man is real um then we get we are back with our initial scene of Sophia, you know, saying what her name is and how she has, you know, her senior thesis and what she's doing and um, how she's how it's March 3rd, 2004 and how her and Feldman are, um, you know, trying to make a documentary about Peeping Tom to see if it's real or not. And then we go back to the story of how the girl had burned her retinas in order to escape Peeping Tom. But because she still had eyelids, um, Peeping Tom was able to get closer to her. So then we see Sophia grab a hammer and her award that she has on her wall from the documentary um, that she did called, you know, Portraits of Dead Friends. And we see her break it and take the piece of glass and basically cut her eyelids off, which I was not expecting at all. I was like, oh, oh, what is she going to do? And then I was like, oh, she's okay. She's she definitely just cut her eyeballs off. Uh, I'm sorry, cut her eyelids off, Um, which I guess makes sense because then she can't physically blink because she doesn't have any eyelids. So that means he can never actually get any closer or he's pretty much like nose to nose, nose to nose with her, but he can't kill her because she cannot blink. Um, and then I thought the movie was over, but then we get another scene of them. Uh, so the camera crew, when they had got the initial package from Gavin, there's actually a tape in there. So they played the tape and on that tape is what looks like to be um Sophia in kind of like a mental institution she's got scratches all over her face and the camera then zooms into her eyes and we see that she has no eyelids and the movie ends (laughs) so there you go guys that is a really quick short uh 46 synopsis of (laughs) of uh butterfly kisses I hope that I did you justice Eric I and thoroughly 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 enjoyed this movie I thought it was edited very well I loved how you had uh you know both of the the stories kind of interacting with each other it was almost like three stories in one I thought that was great uh I enjoyed all the different elements in it um and I really 
I really liked watching it. And I think that everybody that was involved with the film, you know, the actors, everything, um, it was a very fluent story. Um, it looks good. It sounds good. And like I said, you you got amazing, very, very believable acts out of the actresses and the actors who were involved with this film. And I think that it, it deserves every credibility that it has. And I really hope that my horror family listens to my who listens to this podcast go out and watch it. Uh, like I said, you can watch it on Prime Video if you have Amazon Prime. Um, it was just a great movie overall, and I'm super honored that Eric asked me to do this. Uh, I had no preconceived any kind of notion before I went in this. I didn't know what it was about. I honestly thought it was like something about like the butterfly effect kind of thing, but it was completely different. I loved the originality of it. I loved how we just had like three, kind of three different sets of found footage films in one. You know, we had the the kids in the beginning, and then we had, you know, Gavin's point of view, and then we had the actual camera crew's, you know, production company's point of view. Um, So overall, I thought this was a great movie. I'm definitely going to watch it again to see if I found anything um, or, you know, came up with anything, any kind of different solution. Um, but there you go. There you have it. Uh, my honest and horror, horrific opinion on butterfly kisses. So did you guys watch it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? What's your honest and horrific opinion on butterfly kisses? So thank you so much for listening to this episode, very special episode of Horror Nights in Podcast with me, Crystal. Please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. And if you could please rate uh, Horror Nights in Podcast on iTunes, that'd be great. I would love you guys forever if you did that. And definitely go follow Eric. Um, he has a Twitter, the the Butterfly Kisses movie also has a Twitter. Um, and if you don't follow me on Twitter, obviously follow me on Twitter. Um, I greatly appreciate it. So I will actually chat with you guys in a couple days because we have the finale and the wrap-up of uh, Found Footage February with the Poughkeepsie tape. So definitely stay tuned for that. And um, once again, thank you, Eric, for uh, allowing me to review your film and um all right guys I will uh talk to you soon and Eric um I can't wait to see what else you come up with I'm super excited for the future all right guys talk to you later bye-bye the camera doesn't lie